So hello everyone. Hi. We are in Warsaw. Warsaw. Yeah. How do you pronounce it? Uh, Warsaw. 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 <laughs> yeah. It depends what country you're in. It sounds different. Well, we're in Poland. That's for sure. And we wanted to share... This will probably be one of the first episodes of 2024, for sure. What would you say? Yeah, yeah. And it's a topic that's definitely come up a lot last year mm-hmm. in 2023. And that's how to overcome the fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, the fear that comes with the discomfort, I guess. Uh, is it performance? Is it... Uh, what will people think about me? Is it the fear of being in front of people, being exposed, being visible? All of that. So what I wanted to share is that in my early career as a people manager, so you could say this was like late 90s, early 2000s, mm. one of the biggest things that caused me a healthy dose of fear in, in some of those first positions was when I was told that I had to speak in front of groups, whether it's a small group, a large group, didn't really matter about size. And it, interestingly, that if you remember from previous episodes that, you know, I'm a musician, I've been a DJ before, and that scenario when I was, when I had the musician or DJ hat on, yes, sometimes I was uncomfortable, but it wasn't the same. And interestingly, back then, I thought that this situation is completely different, although it's not situational. It's just that you have a fear, you have a heavy heavy dose of fear and you feel uncomfortable. And that looks like it's something that you can't do, that topic. And this topic is obviously the topic of public speaking and how to overcome the fear of it. I was petrified. I'm not going to lie. I was really, really uncomfortable. In fact, I would do pretty much everything I could creatively to avoid presentations in front of bosses, to avoid giving an update in front of the department, you know, these kind of things. But interestingly, I wasn't too afraid to do it in front of my own team, the people that I was responsible for. So yeah, go figure, right? And it's interesting now that I actually cannot get enough of public speaking. When Mira and I do summits, when we do live podcasts or a masterclass, or we speak in front of people, for me, I don't know about Mira, Mira can tell you her experience now, but it's quite energizing. I really look forward to it. Although Mira knows that my secret is pretty much every time I've accepted a gig, maybe even the day before, hours before, sometimes I might get really nervous and jittery and get fearful. And rather than run away from the problem or challenge, I will say to Mira, hey, what's going on? I know I accepted this gig, but I feel really scared. I feel like an imposter. Do I really want to go onto that stage? I want to exit sideways and run away and go outside. But then Mira always reminds me that it's okay. It's okay to feel whatever you feel in the moment. And all I can say from my side is that the more that I just leaned in, that I was allowing myself to be vulnerable and feel whatever I feel and just did, did it anyway, it incrementally, incrementally got easier mm. and I gained more confidence. And trust me, I've tried everything, every trick in the book. I've tried NLP to overcome my fear. I've tried st- standing in the circle of excellence. excellence. I've tried so many different strategies. You wouldn't, everything. 
and none of those actually worked. The only thing that works, and actually the only thing that I've noticed working for our clients is when they allow themselves to be uncomfortable and vulnerable and just lean into the fact that until they get a bit of mileage and they get into it, it may be a bit wonky. You may have a bit of a jittery, fluttery voice. I often did and felt really embarrassed, but interestingly, Either people were very sweet and just didn't give me feedback or no one really notices fully because sometimes you can start off a bit wonky and then you gain a bit of confidence and then suddenly everything's okay. And then you wonder why you spent the night before not sleeping and freaking out. It's interesting, isn't it? I think the, the, the biggest problem is, bigger problem is actually trying to do something about the fear. So when we, uh, you know, what, what Peter was just explaining is he, he still feels uncomfortable, uh, me too, uh, but once um, once you get there, you, you're pretty much okay. Uh, you allow yourself to relax. The So that's not a problem. It's not a problem that we feel these uncomfortable feelings and that we have fears and all of that. What is the problem is when we try to fix it, when we try to manage our feelings, when we think that something is not okay with the fact that we feel what we feel and uh, try to do something about it because then it looks like it's a bigger problem and we spend lots of energy and uh, uh, time thinking about it instead of getting out there, getting ourselves visible, getting in front of, um, getting in front of people, saying what we, what we are there to say. One of the other things that uh, was interesting is I, for example, wasn't scared that much of public speaking or speaking in front of people, uh, for me, bigger fear uh, would happen afterwards. It was like, um, how we would call it, Peter, like a hangover or a little PTSD of the experience because I would so much enjoy in doing it. I would feel, you know, I would relax and be vulnerable when you're exposed to people, you're vulnerable. And then after that, I'll start second guessing. I'll, I'll feel, um, I'll judge and criticize myself for things that I did or didn't do. Uh, I would, um, I would run it in through, you know, run the film through my mind over and over again, uh, feeling really, really uncomfortable. So uh, that's also the experience of. And, and then when you experience that, you're kind of reluctant to do it. Uh, so that's one of the things that is also um, considered into this uh, fear of public speaking, but it's just not so much before, but more afterwards. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I can understand why that would be a challenge. I've definitely had situations where Although it never stopped me from doing it again, the next time I, I overthought about it. I, I was over, sorry, I was overthinking that it wasn't great. And I was really self-critical about my voice. It, it went wobbly. I didn't sound confident. People looked at me like I was stupid, you know, stuff like that. Mm. But then at least for me, the more distance with, you know, cause you, you can't help but, you know, we all judge ourselves sometimes and I know more, some more than others severely. 
But for me, just allowing that exploration, whatever came up afterwards, I would just accept it. Okay, what's that about? And just be curious about it. And sometimes I would actually see the funny side of it that, you know, everyone was praising me saying it was great. Whether it was or not, they would just be nice. But the fact that I was getting positive feedback, but then 10, 15 minutes later, I'd be saying, no, can't accept that. It was rubbish. You know, I really need to improve. And it's right that you can improve always. You know, there's always some increment, incremental improvements you could make. But I always seem to block that with some negative self-talk. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting, at least for me, that it didn't really stop me from carrying on. But I can understand. So the question I would ask you, did it make you not do it afterwards? Did you avoid? Yeah, I think I, I think I did avoid it. And um, and in my own creative ways, as you said. But I guess just the fact that we are doing what we are doing and and having this, um, you know, it was like, if I really want to do what I do, then I need to, you know, do something about it. Then I need to do it anyway, if that makes sense. So just that. So I'm curious, so what changed for you then? Because, you know, recently, Last month, in fact, I watched you on a expert panel mm. and you were in your elements. You were holding court. You, everyone was hanging on your every word and saw you as an expert. There was questions afterwards. You mm. seemed very confident. Mm. But how was that experience for you? Uh, I think one of the things that I've learned is to accept what I feel and not trying to change it. And the only thing... And I think I've learned it by, by doing it and reflecting on the experience. And that's what, you know, we were kind of advised all of you to, to do, you know, do it and then be vulnerable enough to reflect on the experience, to learn from it. And, and then I've, um, and I think the only thing is that, that I, I kind of do before is, I, I, I'm not trying to do it in any way. I don't have any intention in terms of, oh, I need to look smart, say smart things, or say certain things. What I need to be is be present. And that's the, that's the only thing that I kind of focus on, be present uh, as much as I can in order to, um, to, to hear uh, what other people are saying in order to be able to respond to what is going on and um, in order to connect to the people in the audience. Yeah, I would agree with you there. The more that you, you know, wh whatever you think and feel at the start, it's okay. And, you know, you will have nerves. Uh, but once your mind settles, as Mira says, and you're in clarity, your presence, you are gifted with connection to the audience, you are connected to yourself and you're more likely to be able to center yourself and feel grounded and get anchored again. And then more often than not, at least that was my experience, regardless of what happened, I could deal with it. Mm. And you know, there will be situations where, you know, we've done so many public speaking gigs, there has been calamities, whether it's with a broken microphone, people interrupting you, a difficult crowd, <laughs> whatever it is. But now when I think about it, it I, I don't know, it's, it's quite exciting to deal with this stuff and you never know what you're going to get. Although if you would ask me, 
years ago, you know, back in the early 2000s, I would have given you every excuse as to why that wouldn't be something I could deal with or had the resilience or was able to survive. Mm. And now when I think about that, it does sound a bit ridiculous. But I totally get it. You know, we have lots of conversations with people from all over the planet who are super amazing at what they do and in certain contexts are super confident. But when we touch on this topic of public speaking, it seems to be quite a big Achilles heel for many people. And that's why we wanted to explore it. And, and the, the main thing is to really lean into the fact that it's okay to feel whatever you feel. And there isn't anyone we've ever met who's top of the game in terms of being a public speaker. You know, there might be famous authors, people we've connected with all of them have told us when they've when we've built connection with them and had some trust that they too sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable but they just deal with it by doing it anyway yeah and one of the things for for the end that i would like to say is and yes and i remember i i don't know peter do you remember that um, panel that we were on mental health in music industry years ago and i think that was one of my first uh, panels is that my jaw locked. <laughs> it was such a strange feeling. And interestingly, at the same time, it was an amazing conversation. I was still present and listening and, and being, being there, you know, connecting with people on a panel and with the public. But my body was in a stress reaction that my jaw locked in one moment. And so, and so it's interesting that all sorts of stuff can go on for mm. you at the moment and you can still do an amazing uh, job. Okay, if we're in sharing mode, one of the most recent um, gigs I did was to moderate moderate a panel for a summit in Dubai, which was what, back in June? Yeah. And Mira can probably agree that the start of it, I kind of botched because I don't know if I was nervous. I think I was annoyed that I had to do such a long intro. Um, and I was back and forth, you know, sometimes where you're very indecisive. So it was actually my fault. I can't blame the panelist. But I had quite a long intro for each panelist and I got a bit flustered. I was trying to read off an iPad and the light was in my face. We were on a really big stage with a full audience and I drilled through it like a machine gun at the start. And I think Mira was kind of like, wow, okay. <laughs> and, uh, but as soon as that was done, no one, no one flinched. You know, I, I was able to moderate the panel really well and have an engage, engaging and connected and insightful uh, panel for what, 90 minutes and it was completely fine. But again, if, if you would ask me years ago, I would have ripped it apart. You know, oh my God, what a terrible intro. I feel embarrassed. It's okay. Mm. We've seen some of the best people, politicians, completely botch things, mm. you know, and it happens. But because, again, they, they, they just do by action, they just carry on doing it regardless. They just don't really care. Yeah. And that's the thing. And you can get to that stage as well. It's not an impossible um high benchmark it's just that you need to have a go yeah and you know we all have to start somewhere and it's really worth having a go that's all i can say you know we're not selling it to you we're not trying to push you to do something but even if you are a bit uncomfortable or a bit apprehensive do it anyway and you'll find that 
most audience, I would say 99.9% of audiences, unless you do an improv stand-up, mm. where or you know you're a, a stand-up comedian, sometimes you know they can get ripped apart by the audience and they get heckled and stuff like that. But most public speaking gigs, whether it's a presentation in front of your boss or your team, or you're speaking in front of a large audience in your own company, or you're speaking on a stage about a topic, you're like, whatever it is, usually 99.9% of the audiences are really supportive, they're lovely. And if they notice you're doing something a bit wonky, quite often they, they just don't react. They're completely fine with it because we've all experienced seeing what can go on. And I think many people, depending on, you know, when you get to a certain age, have already had to do a certain level of public speaking. And we've all been there. So it's kind of like, yeah, I've got your back. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You know, we're still listening. And most people recover. Yeah, I think we all recover. You know, Nobody died from public speaking, but it feels like. Not that I know of. It feels like it, you know. And just because it feels like it doesn't mean something yeah. is wrong. But it's, yeah, and I mean, you still, you still get nervous, as you said, you know, before, but you just don't do anything about it. And I think the, the biggest uh, takeaway from what we were saying you know, you probably heard something that you needed to hear, but the biggest takeaway is because you feel uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that something is wrong with your speech. It doesn't mean that whatever you think is happening is actually happening. It's your fear creating the story. So you don't need to do anything. Acknowledge, accept what you feel and keep on going with what you've already planned. Don't change anything because this is what happens. People start to change the way they feel or they start to change whatever they prepared as, as a topic of speech or um, doing something new, different. That insecurity at the moment uh, feels like something is wrong and then something needs changing and then we, we start so taking action in that useful. direction. And as and always, we'd love to hear thing. what your thoughts and feelings are about this episode. So thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye.